Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Robert? I'm feeling like my heart will go on. Okay, so in lots of Celine Dion? Yep. I feel like <laughs> the enthusiasm you and I have had for art, hopefully in some tiny, tiny way, may last beyond our lives. Hopefully the support we've given to artists means that their work will go on and on and on. And I'm definitely sure the artist we're going to be meeting today will be somebody that will is, is already sort of becoming part of the canon of the history of art. Um, yes. And is very deservedly so. Uh, she should be part of the history of art because I think what she's doing is, is re- a really sort of exciting new take on painting and many different influences which we will discuss in yes. these very imaginative, dreamy, kind of futuristic quite dreamlike paintings in a way and mm-hmm. i'm a big fan so i'm really looking forward to talking to her and i've never actually met her before and we're recording this for the quarantine season so hopefully one day we will get to meet in real life but for now we would like to welcome to talk art Anna Anna <laughs> hello how are you nice to be here. Where, where do we where do we find you at the moment in the world uh i'm currently in jersey city new jersey mm-hmm right outside mm-hmm. of New York, uh, sitting on my couch mm-hmm. um, in my apartment, mm-hmm. which is Are where I've been. I am. Um, I've luckily been able to still walk to my studio. So I've been between my studio and my apartment. Oh, cool. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. How far away a walk is it? Like half an hour or so. Okay. It's actually quite nice. It's like a nice part of my day. Oh, good. And do, you, and do you feel like you have to go to the studio to connect with your work? Or do you feel like being at home, you can also use your home space to make work? Um, I, I like having the division. I think for me, going to the studio is like a nice, is, is really where I think about my work. At home, I, I really like to try to relax and separate, kind of. Yeah, so you find that going from uh, your house to studio is it like a, a time when you get to think about the work that you're creating and you get to cultivate the ideas for where you're going to put your characters? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's like I always listen to music, you know, on my walk to and from, and it's something I look forward to. Kind of, I don't know, it's like this transition space between my home life and my studio life. And um, yeah, kind of like, I don't know if I think about my paintings as I'm walking. Maybe sometimes I do. But some, I really use it as an as a opportunity to kind of like just daydream and kind of like not think about much other than, I don't know, listen to the music and just like enjoy my walk if possible. And, and is music a 
big thing for you because I, I see a it's a reference in the actual paintings itself because I've seen a kind of recurring theme of things like flutes and pianos and sheet music mm. um, for classical music Guitars. or even contemporary yep. music yeah there's a kind of theme of that within your painting yeah I, I think that's it's kind of started coming into my paintings I would say like halfway through grad school perhaps um, mm. I mean when I was younger I I was like in all the bands in high school. I was in the marching band, in the jazz band, the concert band. So oh, wow. music was actually was a, a what, big part what of my. What was your instrument? <laughs> what was your instrument? I, pl- I played. I played piano initially, and then I played clarinet um, in the bands, and oh. eventually I played trombone, um, baritone, oh. which is like a trombone, kind of in a trumpet form. Um, so, so music was always a big part of my life, and then. I didn't really start even think to bring it into my paintings until one, I don't know, I, I, the idea to paint two women playing piano came to me while I was in school. And these two women are playing one piano together, kind of like a duet, it's, which I always thought was a funny, a funny thing. Um, yeah. And that was just the beginning of it. And I think it just reminded me of, of how music has always been this thing in my life that has allowed me to kind of like escape from my body and just really enter my, my imagination. Mm. That's amazing. But you, and you're talking about these women playing the piano, but the, the women playing piano in mm. your paintings are uh, very uh, um, muscular uh, and very, mm-hmm. they're probably playing the piano with their nipples or their boobs that are <laughs> yeah. pl- resting on the keys, or it seems like their nipples are reading the sheet music in front of them. So these, these characters that you're bringing in with these musical instruments, where do you, where do you think these um, hyper-realized women have come from? Um, I think, I mean, it kind of all started with actually the male figure and my obsession with learning all the muscles and learning how to draw the male form. Um, when I was younger, I, you know, was looking at cartoons and a lot of superhero comics, um, movies like, uh, James Bond, Indiana Jones, um, Mm -hmm. kind of like these, these stereotypical male hero archetype characters. And I really identified with them. Alpha males. Yeah. Yeah. I like identified with them so intensely, like over the female characters often. And I think Mm -hmm. like, that's just, that you know, was? as a kid, you don't really, yeah, I don't, you know, as a kid, you don't really like think about these things or analyze yourself too deeply. But like later on, I think I just like really, I, I, I think I wasn't like seeing examples of like women in these roles that I like admired. I know that's really yeah. like weird thing to say, but um, yeah, I, I think like, when I thought of who I wanted to be in these movies or in these comics or in these th- these the, the media I was watching, I, I always like kind of identified with the man. And I mean, maybe part of it also was like, I don't know, unrealized, like not realizing that I was gay at the time. And maybe that like my mind was working around that in some weird way by like identifying oh. with the men. Um, oh. But yeah, so anyway, that's a, that's a long roundabout to your question but it reminds me to an instagram post you put out recently uh of a painting called hot house and it says you've quoted as saying i find myself living vicariously through my paintings these days and it's it's a woman at a piano it's a room full of uh female figures two of them got their three of them got their breasts out one of them's playing the piano (laughs) she's got a 
mass, massive butt on her, giant like proportions. <laughs> They've always got huge hands and huge feet. And it's amazing. But do you see, are you, these characters, are they uh, uh, projections of how you want to see yourself or are they how you want to see the world? Or I think it's a mixture of both. I think for me, I started depicting these women that are kind of both simultaneously voluptuous and sexy, but really muscular and powerful. Because mm-hmm. um, inter- it's not because that is what I want to look like or that is even necessarily what I'm attracted to. It's, um, I don't know, it's just, it's a, it's a way that I've found to... I don't think people have depicted women like that before. And I think it's no. it's a way to make them, se- in my mind, it's a way to make them both sexy and appealing and yet powerful and kind of in control of their bodies. Uh, and yeah, and, and just like, I've always, I guess, my imagination has always been louder than my personality. And I think like maybe those big bodies are part of the loudness and, the color also could be part of that. Uh, there's something to that that I think, like being able to make these kind of images that are that kind of scream at you and are yeah, almost bold. neon at times. The bright colors, the the I, your I, color palette. Yeah, I also really like yeah. the the kind of theme almost within them because there's a kind of element of them being like superhuman or mm. or superheroes. And mm. you know, you were talking about those films, you know, from the 80s, 90s, mm. I guess where you didn't have often the protagonist or the lead character, the person that saved the day was often a man. And then I think later mm-hmm. in film, you began to get people like Angelina Jolie who would start to, you know, Lara play stuff, kind of, yeah. yeah, exactly. And 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 then since then, obviously more and more, you've even got like Wonder Woman now, you know, and, 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 and films. female-led and stuff. Right. Yeah. Exactly, which we all really appreciate and love. But I think it's taking so long for Hollywood to kind of shift. And in a way, art, history you know, since the 60s um, with sort of proto-feminism and then feminism through art, you've kind of had this more recent history of of a development which is much faster than kind of cinema. And um, I I just really appreciate that in your work because I feel like you're taking it somewhere else again and there is a strength um, to the the women um, in in the work, which is incredibly inspiring. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I think that's true what you're saying about the movies. I mean, I... I grew up in the 90s and so that's like those were my formative years and it's true how dramatically different even today I like 15 years later things ha- things are and like kids are watching and um I do right, wonder yeah. like how how would I have felt differently if I was 10 years younger um mm-hmm. but um yeah I mean I think like to me like there is this superhero-esque thing that I fixated on and all the women I paint are naked I've I never really thought of like clothing them and I guess that's kind of strange but 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 actually superheroes I mean what is their outfit is just kind of like this spandex thing that is essentially yeah. their skin so yeah. maybe that's like I don't know where I took my cues from. But their outfits are always muscled up, aren't they? You look at Batman, you yeah. look at Superman. Out of these costumes that the superheroes have, they don't have they they have muscles built into the costumes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean they're, it's just essentially a, a colored skin that they uh, that they don. So yeah. So let's go back to how you got into art. So you started off uh, in illustration, right? And you illustrated some really big brands. Yeah, I I did study illustration undergrad. I worked and I worked as an illustrator for ten years, doing like editorial, like 
stuff for New York Times, uh, different magazines, Nickelodeon, uh, MTV. And I, I did, I loved it. I mean, I was drawn to illustration, I think, because I liked that it had this connection to modern, to contemporary culture and that it responded to it directly. Um, mm. I, I liked that you as an artist never really knew what you would have as a prompt and you kind of had to like learn each time you got a new text or um, find a way to apply your vision to these different subjects. And I was interested mm. that, that that was like a very open dialogue and that also I liked the part about it where it was non-pretentious and it kind of um, was accessible to anyone in a very unintimidating way, which um, mm. I always felt f the fine art world felt very intimidating to me. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I eventually like came to just came to realize that the work that I was making that I was most excited about was usually self-directed. Um, mm -hmm. And so oh, I, I just began to focus more and more on my paintings um, until I then I decided to apply to graduate school. Um, so how did you make painting. the shift between like the illustration and becoming a fine artist? And how do you feel about the snobbery between that? Yeah, it's, it's something I still think about a lot. Uh, I mean, to me, the shift is just in the fact that I've, I now make paintings and I... I don't necessarily have an art director other than myself. Um, but as far as the way I th think about my work and I, the way I think about myself, I don't think it's changed. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I, when, in, in applying to, to the graduate programs, I, I just, I made a whole new body of work and I, I put on a one night show um, in Brooklyn and, and pretty yeah. much that was the work that I, that I uh, applied to school with. Um, I heard about that because didn't you did, did didn't you um, hire it for the night or something the the venue? I did. It was like a hundred dollars for one night, uh, right, and I yeah. hung the show and took and took the show down in, in one night, oh, and so cool. it it was quite fun. It was actually really fun. I I had a I also had a merch table, which <laughs> which I like <laughs> was I guess a rem, like a, a remnant of my illustration days, but. Yeah. Uh, there was something there that I liked about that, you know, that, that anybody could come in and and afford something to buy. Um, yeah, kind of like setting up stall and making it um, like possible for everyone and to have something. And stuff. But also you've made a lot of zines, haven't you? I have, yeah. Yeah, I've had a few zines and, and those were there and I, I have made t-shirts, I made socks. Um, and oh, socks, yeah. Yeah, socks. <laughs> I, what, like I'm tube a socks, sock like neon tube sock type things? Yeah, like they go up to like, like right below your knee, kind of, and... Um, well, yeah. were they were they were they painted on? No, they were they were like manufactured. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Cool. So, how many paintings yeah. did you yeah. have in this show? Um, quite a few. I'd say maybe 20, 20 oh my paintings. God, wow. wow. And did you yeah. sell any? Did anybody were they for sale or was it? They were they were for sale. A few sold. Not a, not a lot. Um, oh. But uh, they were they were all gouache paintings actually, and they were for me at the time they were quite they felt very large, but they were only like two feet by three feet, which is very small, which is relatively small now. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just funny how like, how different I view scale at, at this point. So let's talk about scale then. So you love, you, <laughs> you, you, it's like you, these are, you work in a big scale, right? That's what you're drawn to. Yes. I, I love to be able to kind of depict the women at life size or larger than life size. Um, uh -huh. It's, it's something that I, I don't know, it just seems to make sense for my work um, to, to like 
be able to enter these scenes and and deal with the, these women um, as like someone who's like similar to your scale or slightly larger than. Um, mm-hmm. It's something I never really thought about when I was an illustrator uh, at all, actually. Well, I guess with illustration, it's smaller as well, though, isn't it? Because it's in like, you can almost hold newspapers in your hand or magazines or yeah. posters. Well, I just feel like, like these characters are so big that uh, I guess on a big scale, you, you, need, you, you want the space to contain them, but you want to be able to really push them, their proportions. Yeah, no, I, I think like, I think like playing with their scale and also with distorting their figure. I guess like I, that's something else I think about a lot is like these muscles that I used to always depict on men. We view them as natural and as like this, I, this ideal form, but really they're like distortions to the figure that we like view as beauty. And and I could and for the and for the longest time I couldn't figure out how to distort the female form in a way that I thought. Um, what did was you interesting did you, and before you came to muscles, did you try anything else? You know, I like completely was blocked. I like literally didn't draw women. Um, and I think, I think to like, for me, like I, I always felt like the male form had a lot more liberty and allowed a lot more liberties that you could take with it to, and yet it would still be this attractive figure, whether it's mm-hmm. like face or body. But mm-hmm. with women, I felt like there is this, such a narrow um, definition of what, was an attractive woman that mm-hmm. I was like, I felt so constrained by that. Um, and obviously that's like me taking on a lot of societal beliefs about, about beauty. Yeah, but the, the, there's also like a long, long, long history of the female nude, you know, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years mm-hmm. um, in all different yeah. ways, always painted by men. And what I found really interesting was some of the work you did that wasn't female as well, because you, you actually painted men and kind of hypersexualized in in some ways as well which was really interesting to me because you don't mm. often see that as much in 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 the history of art but you mm. obviously do in more recent times because mm. um well, there's artists a Tom of of Finland era. influence yeah, totally, on, yeah. on the male characters they and, but you you've took it beyond because the Tom of Finland characters uh you, your ones have very long penises that kind of stretch up and become <laughs> instrument-like that they're kind of playing or blowing into. Yeah, I mean, I took a lot of joy in, in making and depicting men in that way. And yeah. it was just like this, like within my, it was kind of like I was God in this arena of my paintings and I mm. took sick joy in like sexualizing and playing with these male figures. Mm. Um, and... And I still do enjoy it, but I, I guess there was some shift in me recently where I felt like com- more compelled to find a way to de- to depict women in a way where I identified with them. Um, right. Yeah, but I, I think there's still a place for for the, for painting men. I'm just not sure yet how it'll come back in, but it will eventually. I also find it really interesting the way that you've used things like cigarettes and smoke and then also obviously you've got the idea of sound I saw one of the paintings had a flute which even had like paint splatters at the end of the flute so you've Mm -hmm. you've got this kind of sense of movement in the paintings and then also bodily fluids and you know like milk from breasts or um you know sperm even like you know squirting out you've got this kind of Mm -hmm. sense Mm -hmm. of bodies creating something can you speak a bit about that element of it all yeah I uh... I guess the smoke is a, a recent development, but I, I I was drawn to it. I think just as a as a visual thing, smoking always looked cool to me, and 
it's something I've never done, but but I've always, and I think I'm like often attracted to things that I am not. Um, right. And and so I wanted, and I felt like, I don't know, there's all those like cheesy photos of CEOs with cigars and men with like cigarettes. And I, I, I feel like it's like a power move. And I, and I, th- I, th- I thought like, if these women are smoking, they're just going to seem more cool, more sexy, more powerful. Mm-hmm. But also visually, I think depicting smoke was an interesting thing in my paintings. It was this transparent, it's a transparent thing that is formless and kind of plays off like these voluptuous, very formful figures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I liked the idea of it being this kind of like an, an invisible dialogue box within the painting, like kind of like ah, comic yes. like a, dialogue. Like a, a speech bubble, yeah. But I, but it's funny you mentioned the breast milk because like I haven't done that in a while with like the projectile milk, but I like, <laughs> yeah. it's something that I just think is hilarious. And I just like, I've always had the strange like fantasy that I wish that women had that power, like that they could just like shoot toxic breast milk on command as like this like, <laughs> like weapon. Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man for the nipples yeah. webbing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I also loved one of the paintings, um, I think Russell mentioned it before, maybe Hot House, but the way that one of the women in it has like almost something coming out of her mouth, kind of like projectile kind of fluid coming out yeah. of her mouth as well. Yeah, like I was thinking like it could be her voice, it could be other smoke, it could be something else and... Yeah, it's like this way of bringing like an ab- I guess an abstract element into my very figurative paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a there's yeah. a, a dark humor that drives through it all as well. But I feel like you you really play with the power of humor that's important to you in your the message. Yeah, I think I think it comes from just. Um, I mean, I have a I guess I have a dark humor in my day to day life, and it's like a really I mean it's a way of like coping with with reality which I think a lot of people do um but also I think it's something something about humor that I think um doesn't take itself too seriously mm-hmm. and I I do think I'm a serious artist but I also ne- I also never want to take myself so seriously that I become kind of this like this like not self-aware person. I think humor keeps us self-aware. And I think that Mm. in my paintings, I want them to be self-aware. And I think, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think there's like this balance of like dealing with these issues about being a woman and, um, and feeling powerless and trying to find ways to feel powerful through these paintings, but at the same time, allowing the humor to kind of invite people in and not be too... Serious. I don't. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, yeah totally. totally. I mean, totally. I uh, yeah. talking about feeling, you know, powerless. There's a series of paintings you've done of um, baseball players, where the baseball players are women, you know, just about to sort of hit the baseball, mm. and it really brought back memories of that film, A League of Their Own, where, like mm-hmm. very obviously directly. But I remember when that film came out, how powerful it was to me to see women. It's almost like those films when when men go to war. And then suddenly women, you know, left the, the men, domestic the, household yes. and went and did all the jobs way better than the men did anyway. And they're, they're those kind of films. not work anymore, yeah. Yeah, and so, when yeah. they're, you know, able to actually, you know, run things. And I, I, I find those paintings incredibly um, inspiring and, and exciting for that reason. To me, like, sports has also been another fixation. Um, 
I used to collect a lot of sports cards when I was younger and um, really was also obsessed with athletes, um, all, all male athletes. And um, I think it was just like another arena that I felt had the central part of our American culture. It had mm-hmm. it, so much money was behind it, so much respect. These players got so much respect and they were these like idols and, and there was just nowhere for women in there. And it was like this world that I desperately like wanted to be part of and knew I never would be. Um, and obviously like the male figure again reappears constantly with these muscular bodies. Mm. So um, I think I did a lot of, I, I was very interested in depicting athletes and I, I did a lot of paintings of male athletes, but yeah, those paintings of the, of the women playing baseball um, were the most recent. And I think that, that is, that is another subject that I think I will delve into again more deeply. Um, I, I like the idea of, um, of creating these alternate worlds and the, right. a, a, a baseball team, a baseball field or whatever sport it might be is, mm is a is a world that I think could be fun to play with, kind of similar to that ima- like the imaginary cafe that I created uh for the the show in LA. Yeah, like the a jazz music cafe. paintings. Oh right. What was that? What do you mean? Yeah. What did you do? Oh, okay. So the so that all the, the series of music paintings I I kind of imagined that they all took place at this imaginary cafe. Oh yeah. That yeah, um yeah, yeah and Obviously, some are more like the piano scene that you described earlier. That's like a very specific depiction of a place, but others were more dreamlike. And um, but I still imagine that they all were in the same space together. Well, there's there's so many references in it. I was just going to say, like talking about uh, the, the the sports, is that it, it, your works harness an energy, and they always, all the characters feel like they're on the edge of something about to happen, whether it be sexual, whether they're about to wrestle you or grapple you, and they have like an S and M dominating quality to them that and that mm-hmm. is that's important to you to keep to keep the the energy harnessed in those so they're buzzing i guess that works with the colors as well you choose yeah i do think that there's something there it's kind of like this um this like forever explosion and tension that i have inside of me that i never fully get to express in any other way and it it comes out in my in the figures in my paintings and mm. um I do think that like in our worlds, you know, these like really base instincts guide our societies like sex, violence, um, you know, like, and then of course, desire for human connection. And Mm. I think those are, those, those like are the reason for so many human actions. And, and, and yet we suppress these things, you know, deep underneath and kind of don't even address them most of the time in day-to-day life. And in my paintings, I feel they're, those things are always present and they're always like at the, at the forefront in some way. So how has the current climate then affected your work? If it's because the things that you're longing for are being restricted, has it changed your work at all or your energy towards the painting? It's a good question. I don't know yet. Um, I, I think like I, I, my work has been so really like based from my imagination that it's that hasn't changed in in a sense but right. um but yeah I, I do think that sometimes like i think oftentimes I, I work through things in my paintings emotionally before i work through them in my own life and it takes a while um mm. and so maybe this 
it might it might be some time before I like can realize how this current climate is affecting that. So we touched on it at the beginning that you identify as queer. How does that? Mm-hmm. How important is that? Obviously, you're saying in your childhood you were affected by the male figure and how that um, has played out in your art now. But how has being uh, identifying as queer played into your work, and and how much of your work do you want to uh, consider to be uh, linked to that? I mean, I do think it affects it um, a great deal. I can't mm-hmm. say it's always what I'm thinking about with what I want to be like the central part of the work. Um, But as a person, I think um, it has affected me greatly just in that, um, you know, I think for a long time, I didn't want to depict any sort of like queer desire in my paintings um, Mm. out of my own discomfort from accepting that within myself. Mm, Um, And also, like I even had this, you know, I I had like the strangest thoughts. Like as a kid, I would think, oh, I have to make sure that all my paintings, like no one guesses that a girl drew it. And then later wow. I would have the weirdest thought of like, oh, I can't depict queer love or queer attraction because no one wants to see that. Um, no one, no one would want, would want to look at that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are terrible thoughts that, you, that I had, but they were no, regardless. But natural thoughts for queer people. I mean, everyone has them thoughts that you don't, yeah, you don't, don't want to be exposed. Around you want you, to be, it? keep, keep it kind of, yeah. Yeah. And, and these, are, these are things I didn't even realize that I was thinking at the time. Sure, sure. Looking back, yeah. I, I realize it. And I do think, like, only as of recent, I, with, with the depiction of these women, I am starting to look to my own experience and my own desire and not avoid it. Well, talk, talk so, about, yeah. Talk, talking about desire, um, there's a series of paintings as well where you paint um, different figures kissing. Sometimes they might be what, what appears to be two men, two women, or, um, you know, di- just di- different non-binary, groups of people. Whatever, yeah. yeah, kind of like non-binary, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just beings, I guess. But you often see them in mm-hmm. different states of kissing and sometimes it gets so intense and you feel this kind of overwhelming um, strength of the desire that they almost start to become kind of cannibalistic and like eat each well, yeah, other. Yeah, devour each other's um, faces. Don't yeah. yeah, so it's danger. really... And, <laughs> And you might also have bits of paintings where like the paint almost becomes like marbling effect, like where the two faces are becoming one in some kind of um, collision of planets or something. Kind of, what, what, where did that whole series come from with this kind of cannibalistic, intense explosions? Yeah, I, I think you're talking about the series of five canvases where the one person eats the other after they kiss. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, so it's, I've, I've developed then, a taste for my own kind. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love it. That, you know, I, I, I guess I've just always been interested in, in the kissing. Kissing is a subject of painting. Um, it's, it's like we touch the small part of our body together and it's like strangely intimate. Um, but visually, I think it's interesting is like this merging, this, the merging of these bodies together. And I, I have this other series of paintings where these two, these two men are kind of fighting each other, but it's erotic and their bodies eventually merge into one. Right, and right. that's that's another thing that I've been thinking about recently is just how can, I think like the, we, I mentioned like muscles as distortion of, on a body, but, but how can like the merging and the conjoining of bodies 
be this extra layer of like of desire or or violence um, or intimacy and yeah, I haven't fully worked out exactly what I think about it, but it's visually very interesting to me. And yeah, I find um, them fascinating because there's a painting mm. called Tangled and another one called Cross-eyed, and they're both just mm. so intense. Just the way that the faces are like they almost become one face. You've got one eye from one person and one eye from another person. Well, I guess and then there's both love in there. And, if they are, yeah, there is. Totally. I guess there's love with like you, a yin and yang be... type vibe where you connect when you're connected to someone, yeah. then you become one. Yeah, I think it's a it's like this intense love that you can't get out and communicate clearly, but but sometimes like the physical communicates it clearly. And right. Yeah, I think there are no words in my and I think that's like I struggle a lot sometimes with like finding the right words, but mm. in my paintings I feel like my figures don't have to talk, but physically they can show everything that they're thinking yeah. or feeling. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So is it autobiographical, a lot of the uh, scenes or the setups that you've got in here or? Part of, you know, but there's always like partially, like I would say like autobiographical, like slightly maybe in some emotional sense, but mm. um, my my life is very like mundane. <laughs> so it's not yeah. like, it's like maybe a, dra- a dramatized version of uh-huh. that. Um, a more fantastic, the, mo- the movie version. version. Kind right. of heightened. Yeah. Real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who- who are your big inspirations? Who are your art inspirations? And, and I, I'm really interested in the, uh, the cartoons that you watched as well because Juxtapose magazine, which you were recently on the cover of, which was a stunning cover, described your paintings as Nickelodeon cartoons on steroids, which I love that quote. <laughs> what, who, who are your... Because like, there's so many references I can recognise and see and then you've got, obviously got your own language. Who's important to you? I mean, growing up, there was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ren I and love. Stimpy, the Animaniacs. Yes. Um, st- uh, what's it called? Stinky and the Brain or something yes. Something in the Brain? Um, Pinky and the Brain. Pinky and the Brain. Pinky and the Brain. Yes. Yeah. And I did look at like Marvel and DC Comics a lot. I, was, I loved Spider-Man and the X-Men. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and truly actually like looking at my sports cards that I collected, the... Mm. That was like another visual reference point. Um, mm-hmm. And from that, I would say I eventually like grew into just being interested in um, illustration, a lot of illustrators, a lot of commercial art, and specifically like concert posters, like gig posters that were screen printed and oh, right. hand Are there any um, gig and posters that you remember in particular, like particular bands? 
I know Wilco has a lot of really interesting posters, but I would just like, I would always visit gigposters.com. I don't know if that exists anymore. And just like look through. Yeah. Yeah. I I would just look. There's so many amazing posters. And, you know, I bought. Well, you you just type in the band you loved and then they would all come up. Yeah. And you you could order them for like $3.99 or $10 or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You could order them. I used to order them to have in my house because I was obsessively collecting music posters back then. Um, Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'd go, there was, when I was an undergrad, there was a, a local venue called the Auto Bar in Baltimore, and I did some posters for them. And I, whenever I went there for concerts, just the walls, I love the aesthetic of like the walls, like pasted with all these different yes. concert posters. And right. so I, that was like a, that was a huge influence for me. And, you know, I did, I studied art history in undergrad a little, and then I, I just started learning more and more about that. And I would say only recently, like in the past four to five years, I've started looking at other fine artists and painters as well. Like who? Um, let's see. I mean, I, I love Tom of Finland. I, I'm a big Carol Dunham fan. Yes, um, I can see I Carol like... Dunham's work. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Peter Saul, like visually, aesthetically, I love. Um, yeah. Did you get Dana to see a show Nicole before Eisenman. the lockdown at the, at the new museum? I did. I was very lucky. I saw nice. it like the I first it week. Well. <gasps> yeah. So good, wasn't it? Yeah, so good. Um, trying to think. Did you say Nicole Eisenman? Those are the big ones. Yeah, Nicole Eisenman. Oh, she's just like well. uh, I think narratively. Yeah, so like yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I often think of Chicago Images as well when I see your work. Yeah, Jim Nutt. Do, is oh, someone for sure. That I can see like especially the color palette. His work, I can see really playing into your language. Yeah, and Carl Worsam. Oh, yeah. Yes, Gladys Nielsen. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And what about your contemporaries, like your peers? Do you have a group of sort of friends that you, you're, you're, you're sort of part of an artistic group of people? Because I saw you share a gallery in New York, Ross and Kramer, with um, an artist guest who's been on Talk Art before called John Key. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, my, my upcoming show is going to be with Ross and Kramer, actually. Um, oh, cool. But yeah, I, I, um, I mean, a lot of my f- friends are really from my time at Yale, and sure. um, this this may sound strange, but I, I didn't really have a lot of artist friends out, <laughs> you know, before I went to graduate school. Um, yeah, you know, I, I had I had a you know I still have close friends from my undergrad years, but um, yeah, so I mean, some of my classmates, like Rebecca Ness, uh, Blair Whiteford, Dominic Chambers, um, but. You know, I'm I'm only recently kind of like going out to openings and doing the whole art thing in New York. <laughs> so it's mm. all kind of somewhat new to me. Yeah. Um, what yeah. does it feel like now then to be to like to be on the cover of Juxtapose magazine and also to receive attention and to sell your work and collectors? How, how does it all feel like for you? I mean, it's very surreal. It's kind of like. Um, I, I kind of like don't believe any of it really. Like I know I'm still at the beginning and there's a long way to go, but um, yeah, just like for, for 10 years, you know, I, I, I felt like I was an artist and I graduated and I made art and no one paid attention to me, you know, outside of the illustration world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden to like have this interest and attention is like very surreal. Um, and it's like really, like really, it's like a dream come true. It's like, to finally be taken seriously, which is mm. like what I've wanted, really. Do you feel any pressures from it all? I mean, 
not a pressure to change, but just um, just like, you know, I want to continue. I want to have a long career. I want to keep working and making art for my whole life. And, and I hope that that's possible in some way, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And do you feel, like when you create paintings, do you feel um, loath to let them go? Or are you quite happy to create and then put them out in the world and then keep going? It depends. Some paintings I'm way more... Um, attached to than others. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do keep like one, at least one painting from each body of work for myself just to have. Nice. And, um, but it, it does give me like joy to think that other people want to like have them and, and enjoy them as well. And that they're like living in other homes. And I don't know, there's something really nice about that as well. Yeah, definitely. When is your next show then? What is this show you're working towards? Uh, my next show is going to be a solo show with Ross and Kramer in November in New York. Great. Um, they're going to have a new space in Chelsea. And so I'm very excited about having to show in that kind of space. And um, I'm just kind of beginning the work now on the paintings. But uh-huh. my my idea is kind of starting around the idea of like a salon, like um, like a an apartment style salon where like Gertrude Stein, Florence Stettheimer type environment where women are coming to this domestic space and they're gonna drink they're gonna smoke they're going to talk about art and culture and music and they're going to I want them to paint I want them to sculpt other women I want them to also like make out with each other and have these like sensual moments so it's kind of like that's like the scene that I'm setting and I'm I'm trying to figure out what moments to show in the paintings right now how many do you think you'll show? How many do you think you want in there? Um, I mean, ho- hopefully 10 to 12, depending on size, maybe more or less. But um, uh-huh. I'm, I want a good number of them to be pretty large paintings. Because I'm, I'm enjoying the challenge of fitting the multiple figures into one scene. I think that yeah. the painting we talked about earlier with all those women in the, with the piano and the guitar, yeah. and there's something that happens with that, and it's a challenge, and it's interesting to me, and I... I think the large scale allows me to do that. And how long do they take to create your paintings? A large painting takes three to four weeks um, wow. of like on, on and off work. I do like, I, I, my studio is actually relatively small. And so it makes it difficult to work on a lot of large paintings at once. But, mm-hmm. um, but it, I work in, I work in layers and, and I always just respond to, what I have on the canvas. So sometimes it takes me a while to just think about what the next thing is to do. Mm. And do you ever, ever create voices for your characters, like as your love of cartoons and comics and stuff? Do you ever give them uh, a noise or a sound? Hmm. You know, I've never thought of that before. Um, I, I, I always think about them as just like these like embodiments of emotion, really, that right. they're, they're just pure, purely full of emotion and they've taken physical form but never a voice actually in emotion in like what like like a seven dwarf sort of emotion like like (laughs) kind of like operatic type emotion like um like like whether it's just as simple as just full of anger full of sadness full of desire full of lust full of um I guess those are the typical ones I depict, but um, yeah. just like this, I don't know, 
if you ever feel, I'm sure you have, but like felt like you just are exploding with this emotion that you can't even express in any way. And I I want them to have that feeling. And do you know when you're creating them what they the, the emotion is going to go into each one of the characters, or do they sort of just bubble up from you and then you're like, oh, well, hang on a minute, that's got into them. Um, I I usually have a general idea, but but as I'm painting it, it it does evolve, and and uh, and probably like depending on how I'm feeling, it obviously affects affects the painting as well. Do you ever? think about making murals or because for some reason when you just mentioned opera then it brought to my mind in New York when I first ever went there there was this amazing mural in the subway at 66th Street uh, Lincoln Center which is obviously where the um, Lincoln Center Opera and Ballet Hall is and it was by Nancy Spiro who is an artist that I think about sometimes and I'm looking at your work even though it's aesthetically very different but there's a kind of way that Nancy would use motifs and recurring forms almost linking to kind of Egypt or something there was this kind of mythical Hmm. element to her work that I really something about it resonates in the same way would you ever think about doing something not 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 necessarily in the subway but like a mural or something kind of on a grand scale like that because I could really picture it somehow oh I would love that yeah I mean hopefully one day I can have a big enough studio or or the opportunity to paint a mural where it's kind of this entire like stage drama unfolding with all these women I mean that would be that would be like I mean yeah that would be a dream I would love that it's it almost be... like we need to we need to introduce you yeah. to an opera house or something yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. do some kind <laughs> of collaboration. I can see an animation as well in there. I can totally see like a, a moving image of these women all kind of grappling over each other. Oh yeah, I would love that. I mean, I've I've thought of animation. Actually, once pitched an animation idea to a to a network, but. Um, yeah, I would love to see my figures in motion in some way. That's yes, they do. That'd I mean, they awesome. they seem alive to me, you know, yeah. in my mind. And yeah, they're vibrating, yeah. aren't they? That they are definitely alive. Yeah. So do you yeah. do you actually do you actually like um, opera? Do you actually listen to it, or is it more of a just a reference? No, I do. I like opera. I'm not, I can't claim to be any expert by any means, but um, it's something I recently got more interested in, just because I real I think I did realize there was some connection to, with my work. And in like the intensity of of mm-hmm. emotion and and like raw energy, mm-hmm. so it's something I'm like still learning more about. But that's so um, interesting. What do you and listen it's just like to music wise? What's the music you're listening to? Do you listen to music when you paint? And there's a reference that I made to that Russell in the opening introduction, which was Celine Dion. Oh, that Celine Dion. <laughs> do you listen to Celine Dion when you paint? <laughs> oh my God! Sometimes I do. Yeah, it's just like. <laughs> My, my obsession is real. It's just, yeah. just I'm so obsessed with her. But the reason I brought it <laughs> um, up is because you described your love of her as being because it's quite pure what she does. Like it's not like she she has any kind of bad intention or whether you like it or don't like it. It's like she really believes in what she's doing, and there's a kind of mm. authenticity to mm. Celine Dion which mm-hmm. you like, and I loved that. Yeah, no, she's just like. I hope I meet her one day. I mean, I, I went to her show in Vegas and it was unbelievable. And um, yeah, if you've watched my Instagram stories, she's like a big part of them. Definitely. <laughs> um, but I love all her hand yeah, I mean, I listen- as well. I, I remember seeing her in London live and I was just blown away by her, her strength, which is also interesting if you think about the strength of the women in your paintings. Yeah. She definitely embodies this kind of Yeah, and the uh, muscularity of her strength. voice. Love her. The match that she does, and then Vegas show, she's doing that so many shows a week. But oh, the muscularity awesome. in her voice is just like powerful, the power she has. 
No, she's totally powerful and 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 just like also very unique. She seems like a character to me. Like you don't think of a diva like that to think as like someone who's also strange and quirky, but I think she is, which makes her even more interesting to me. She does have a quirkiness, um, you're right, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean I listen my my music taste is wide. I mean I love I love dramatic Celine Dion type, you know, um ballads, but I, I also love I I really love like a lot of oldies like from the fifties and sixties. Um like um I would listen to that a lot when my parents would drive me around in the car when I was younger. So like that yeah. that's like really that's the type of music I really love and Are there any specific musicians? Um I love the Turtles. I love uh oh. uh Eleanor. Um that song I've been listening to a lot. And I love Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, they're probably one of my favorites ever. Um, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Okay. Yeah. Russell's going to um, get into them now. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the name. Uh, I, just, I, I guess I love, their, I love their harmonies are beautiful. Um, I like classical music. I like some country music. Um, I love, like, terrible pop music. Um it's, it just depends what mood I'm in. And, what music uh, are your characters playing? What's on the sheet music where the nipples are reading? Uh, so those are, that's always, cla- that's, till now that's always been classical music. Um, uh-huh. The um, Are they real I, notes? One of the paintings in that show. They are real. They are copied from real sheet music, yeah. Are they? So right, they are right, like right. a specific, yeah. So it's, a, it's always a specific song. It's, it's often been Chopin. One of them was Rite of Spring from Stravinsky. Um, oh, I love Chopin. That's another one I love. And um, yeah, I, I think like for the show, for the, the, the cafe, I did imagine kind of they were playing all this like smooth, like jazz from like the 20s, 30s, 40s. Um, I, I actually curated a playlist for the show for the opening oh, um, to play. So and people who read I music, have they ever was... like recognized the songs? Not yet. I haven't had that happen to me yet, but okay. um, I'm sure it will. Maybe one day, but I <laughs> it probably will happen one day. Um, I guess, like to me, like the classical music makes the most sense. To it doesn't have any words, and it's visually as sheet music often very interesting. Um, and dramatic at so, times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was also thinking just now about the costumes in operas as well, because the costumes are, are such a big part of opera, and the way that they use colours to represent emotions or storylines the characters are going through, which is also quite similar in a way, even though your characters are often naked, mm. the colours you use to depict the characters are so mm. distinct that kind of can conjure up emotions or feelings. Yeah, no, I... I love. I mean, I I love that, and I do wonder one day if I ever will depict someone in a costume. If if anything, it would be like that type of over the top dramatic costume in a, in an opera. Um, cool. But yeah, It'd be your yes. diva series. Yes. Yeah, they, they scream at you from across the room, don't they? That that you've said you wanted your paintings to like have a vocal scream with color when people see them across the room. Yes, love that. Yeah, I do feel that way. I guess like. They don't need a microphone, kind of like opera singers don't need microphones right. in some way. They take over the space. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Well, Anna, we ask every guest that comes on uh, two very important questions. The first one is, if you could do an art heist, if you could steal any work of art in the world, if you could steal any, any piece of art <laughs> of work in the world, 
and you can have it all to yourself, what would it be and why? Um, I think it would be Judith slaying Holofernes by Artemisia Gentileschi. Um, and I don't oh. know exactly what museum it's in. I think it's in Florence, I believe. Um, but I just love that painting. And yes. it's just like, it I like? think I'd feel so... It's uh, Judith um, and, another, and another woman cutting off the head of Holofernes, um, yeah. who is like a general. Um, and it's... I mean, she's one of the few like female Renaissance painters that people know of. And... Um, it's just like a, the ultimate depiction of power, I think, um, mm. female power for me. And I, it would just be like an unbelievable painting to like have in your house and have like be and able to look at every that. morning. You'd be quite happy to live with that. I could live with it. Yeah, yeah, I'd be so happy to live with that. I mean, it's, wow. it's an incredible <laughs> it's painting. So happy it's one of the, to live with that. <laughs> well, it's one of the great paintings. <laughs> yeah, oh no, yeah, of I, I, I've actually been researching her because we're, we're interviewing Rose McGowan, and I was looking into the history of art and. Um, depictions of kind of survival but also of rape and violence and her mm -hmm. work is so important because she's one of the very few artists who were female who actually got to depict um, a response to rape and torture in court and that painting that you're talking about was a kind of response to the work I'm going to bring up when we speak to Rose so it's really interesting I, um, yeah, I think she's no. revolutionary really yeah very inspiring so Maybe violent for many people's taste, but for me it would be happy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, but in a weird way, I think it's more about justice, isn't it? And about yeah. stopping abuse of power, which is a you know, which that painting proves is a historic. You know, it's like within human nature, and it's not something new. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's fascinating that she was able to make those paintings and. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and they still survive now. Um, we have one in the National Gallery in London, which is amazing. Um, well, the other question oh. we ask every guest is, what is your favourite colour? Which I'm very excited to hear from you. <laughs> um, so it's a hard one, um, but I have to pick yellow. Um, really? Yeah, I like yellow. Um, not as a colour necessarily to wear, but um, it's a colour I love using in my paintings. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm just drawn to warm colors and yellow is also is warm yet transparent and um it's like a source of light I don't know it's it's just um I would probably say it's my favorite color uh, from a painterly point of view does, does mm. yellow get used a lot in your work yeah I mean I would say definitely in every painting and I don't I don't think I've ever depicted a yellow woman yet, but, um, but yeah, I think like, I would say yellow is my favorite color and, 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 it, and it's also like a hard use. color. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really use every color, um, but I, I, I guess I stay away from like lots of browns and, uh, -huh. uh more muddy colors I tend not to use, but, uh, -huh. I like Funny I like enough. using color in almost like out of the tube kind of in its pure form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting. I, funnily enough, I actually think brown and yellow go really well together. I actually like those two colors. Um, they do go well together. <laughs> you know your your paintings. They I meant to ask you earlier. So some of them have this almost like drawn element in them, and because you depict hair, kind of like 
very nostalgic kind of hairstyles somehow. Mm. They're almost like sort of 40s, 50s hairstyles. The, the big muffs on all the women as well. They yeah, totally. Like oh, yeah. Like, yeah, like pubic hair, exactly. Yeah. But also the, the kind of way that it's almost, sometimes your paintings, there's one called Be My Baby, and it's almost like a negative mm. image or something. But it's got this very like... Uh, pencil drawn it doesn't look like pencil obviously but but it has that element to it how, what, how, how is that involved like that how did that develop that that kind of way of depicting the characters that came from just like years of drawing and I would say drawing is like my first love with art mm -hmm. um and you know the the line the use of like line and like cross hatching is something I did a lot just like from looking at comics and looking at old etchings um and I never really put it into my paintings for a long time because I always felt like there was this divide, in, a mental divide just for me, for between painting and drawing. And, right. and just, yeah, I, I think that like, I was like, in, at a certain point, it actually, I think it started with that painting we discussed earlier, the I've developed a taste for my own kind, um, yes. to just literally draw in my painting and use line in a way that didn't seem out of place in some way, hopefully. Um, so yeah, I, I, it was just, it, it's born out of a desire to, to find this way to merge drawing and painting and, and, and acknowledge kind of my influences from graphic comics and graphic culture um, in a way, and hopefully yeah. merge it with my love of painterly things as well. Well, totally, because there's a big link to the Renaissance and also, like you're saying, etchings and things like that. But that's what actually that's exactly what it is. It's the etchings, because to me, it reminds me of like very old etchings, but mm. in paint form, which is, I've never really seen that much. It's a fascinating. Like Hogarth, the Hogarth scenes and stuff, Gin Alley and. Or even Goya etchings. as well and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's something I'm still playing around with and, and trying to figure out. Well, like, I, I think you're succeeding. Visually. So continue. Yeah. <laughs> We're asking everyone <laughs> very, one more oh, question. We're asking everyone one more question. Have you worked out if you have a hidden lockdown talent, something you've worked out since you've been in quarantine that you didn't really know you had before? Hmm. Um, I guess, like, my talent is, like, I've learned I really like eating hot dogs. <laughs> like, a that lot. That is definitely a talent, yes. how, how many hot dogs are we talking about? I mean, I've had it for dinner like four times last week, which is very unhealthy, but it's... <laughs> They're going to end up in the paintings. Um, yeah, probably. I like hot dogs visually as well as taste Yes, with taste that like, Americana <laughs> vibe with the baseball and the hot dogs and definitely. So what's, what's the dream? Yeah. What, what is the, where, where would you love to be shown or what collections would you want to be in? And do you think like that? Um, I mean, I guess like... My ridiculous dream is like to have a retrospective at the Metropolitan Museum of Art when I'm 69. Um, because when my mom was going into labor with me, she actually walked through the Met um, when, like right before I was born. What? So to me, like, yeah, to me, that museum has like a real like emotional connection. And I would love to have a retrospective there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess like, I would, you know, I just want to, I mean, do you want like specific galleries? Like I love, oh, I really admire Blum and Poe as like a gallery and, Blum and Poe, a lot yeah. of the artists they represent. Yeah. Carol Dunham. Like Robert yeah. Cole Scott, Carol Dunham, yeah. um, Henry Taylor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like the dream is to be able to continue to support myself as a painter and yeah. show all over the world and, yeah. and hopefully be accepted and 
in, into museums and, in, and just also have, but also have a dialogue and like ha- be known by like regular people who are not artists, I think is also yeah. something that I would hope for. I love that so much about you as well, that that part of wanting to, you know, break down the barriers of the kind of what is perceived to be the old world, which is now particularly, sorry, the art world, which is now perceived, which is now possibly going to be an old art world, because mm. I feel like after this crisis, people are really reevaluating everything. But I love that openness you have. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like through your painting, you're, you're also pushing what is perceived to be the strength of a woman with these characters and you're challenging the traditional gender roles, which is something really fresh, I think, in uh, art right now. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I want to finish on a quote that you've had uh, about your paintings. It says, I want my paintings to go down easy like a pill, only for you to later realise you might get sick. (laughs) I'm obsessed with that quote. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's like my... My dark humor there showing. I love it. I love it. Well, Anna, thank you so much for coming on Talk Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. For all images we were talking about today, please go to uh, our at Talk Art page on Instagram. And Anna, are you on Instagram? I am, yes. What's your name on there? Just my name, uh, at at Anna Benaroya. That's it. Thank you so, so much. That was really, really fun. No, thank you. This was fun. Yeah. I always get nervous before these things, but it was fun. Oh, it was wonderful. Thank you. And hopefully we get to meet you very soon. I hope so too. All right. Thanks everyone. Take care. Take care. Bye. 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 We'll be back very soon. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at TalkArt, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com